Welcome to the Your Dream or Mine podcast, the place to be if you dream of living a life of fulfillment, freedom, flow, and most importantly, fun. I'm Laura Cruz, the Dream Transition Mentor, the creator of the unique six-step Dream Transition Method, which will take you from idle daydream to transitioning into your wildly successful freedom-based business. Listen to inspirational stories from women who have been brave enough to take the leap from corporate and now live the life they've always dreamed of. Women like you and me. They did it, I did it, and you can too. Grab a cuppa, find a cosy spot, then sit back and enjoy the episode. So my guest today is the lovely Sabine Pano, who is an email marketing strategist and mentor, and also happens to be my accountability buddy, if that's what we call it in business. Um, And what's interesting about Sabine is that she's in Argentina and uh, I'm in England and we've never actually met, but we talk every Wednesday. We talk all things business and uh, motivation and inspiration and accountability and all stuff like that. So it's my pleasure to have you here today, Sabine. Welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me and um, be able to to share my story with, with your with your listeners. As we record this, it's just before Christmas, um, twenty twenty one. It's absolutely freezing. The heating didn't come on in my office. And uh, as I talked to Sabine, it's absolutely roasting in Argentina, and she's got a short sleeve top on. I think I know where I'd rather be, Sabine. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's very hot today, very warm. So um, one of the things, one of the reasons I wanted to interview you for the podcast, Sabine, was because, of course, because I, I know you as, as because we speak every week and we've been doing that for probably about six months now, haven't we? Yeah. But, but I think that your um, your story about about where you've lived and, and, and how you came to live in Argentina and what that means for you and your family and... And all of that. I just think it's so interesting. And I know that during our calls, I've often asked you questions about Argentina and I've been learning about that and uh, and geography and like what's going on politically and stuff like that. I just think it's fascinating. And when um, you completed the questions that I send out around the podcast, you I asked the first question I ask is what what could you bring to the listeners of the podcast? And you said my journey isn't common because I've had, you know, it's multiple countries, multiple cultures and multiple languages. So I guess is for the listeners as an introduction to you, it would be great to understand a little bit more about that. Sure. Sure. So I was um, born and raised in France. I lived in France on the West coast of um, France, on the kind of a small town near the coast in Brittany. I lived there for 20 years for my first, that first 20 years of my life. Um, when I was just turning 20, um, I moved to London and I already knew English from school, just learning at school. But um, I had done two years at law school, failed the exam. So I decided to take a break and ended up in London as a nanny in a family, as an au pair. So I worked in London for a little while, um, wanted to do more and decided to. So I spent a year and a half in London, then I spent six months in Germany. Um, I had studied German at school as well. So it wasn't like a brand new language for me, but it was kind of new culture, new environment. So I moved to Germany. Um, I spent six months there as an au pair as well. It was kind of an easy move at the time. I was in my 20s and it kind of 
easiest way to go and discover a new country, learn the language, to still have time to study um, the language and then go out and, and look after the children in the family where I was. So it was a, it was a nice, nice thing to do. Um, then from there, I, um, my parents were kind of pushing me to have a, some studies in France, have a degree or something in France. So I agreed to move back to France or went to the south of France because I'm from the north. So I went to the south um, and I ended up in Bordeaux working for the wine industry, which was um, really interesting because it was different. It was I didn't really like wine at the time. <laughs> it was kind of something new. So it was kind of a, a kind of discovering a new new culture, even in my own country. It was um, because it's the south of France as well is different. And from there, I went back to London. My, so I did an HND in business administration. And my school had a partnership with the University of Greenwich. And I was able to go and finish my degree and do a degree in London. So I could move. My teacher knew that I would go back to London. It was the place that I enjoyed. So um, I did my degree in business administration at the University of Greenwich graduated and I knew I wanted to work in marketing. It was already something that really interested me. And the cultural, that the art scene, uh, museum, I love that. I loved um, going to uh, art galleries and that kind of thing. So I, was, I decided that I wanted to work in marketing, but work for artists to help artists kind of do marketing because obviously as artists, that's not their main strength. Right. Um, and I always felt like I'm kind of an artist, but I'm not, I don't have that talent to actually go and do it. So I really enjoyed working in that environment. So I got a job at the, Marit- the National Maritime Museum in Greenwich. So I worked for five years with them. Um, so that was really fundraising and in kind of marketing, communication, um, events management. So a lot of different areas. Really enjoyed it. Um, by then I was, because I had been, by then it was maybe 10 years in London, I had been living there and they, people thought I was British. So I kind of lost that bit of, that. my accent has changed since, Right. but I got to the point where people were say, you know, people would say to me, oh, where are you from? Thinking, you know, where are you from in, in the UK? And I was like, no, I'm actually French. And I nearly got to the point where I was like, oh, I'm losing my identity there. I'm not, I didn't, when I first got to London, I was the, it was very obvious that I was a French girl and people would call me the French girl and I didn't like that. But by the end of those 10 years, I realized actually people would always think, assume that I was British, that I was from London. I had the kind of the accent that people in London have, that very cosmopolitan, a um, lot of people. I went, because I went to university, I worked there. I don't know, it was kind of, yeah. And I felt, oh, there's something I need to change. And there's always something that in my, say in my nature, I like the change. I like moving around. I like exploring new things. So, And you're clearly not scared of doing things because all that stuff that you said you did at 20, you know, you know, moving to England, then moving to Germany, then back to France, then back to England is amazing. And, and, and something that I think a lot of people would think, oh, I, I, that's quite overwhelming or that's quite frightening. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's not. I've never been afraid of the unknown. It kind of I like that not knowing what's going to happen. 
um, I'm kind of, you know, in my youth, I was maybe shy and um, stressed about kind of unknown situation. I don't know, a click happened when it was, I don't know, around my 18 to 19, 20th Thursday, around that time where I decided, no, I've got to go, I've got to do things and stop worrying, stop. I remember when I was a kid, people like in the street would say, oh, you know, smile a bit more because maybe I was kind of, I don't know, it's just I needed to go to be able to, I don't know, to thrive. To yeah. I needed that change and that change happened when I was 19, like 20, 13, 20. And it really has been like a huge change in my life, in my family. My family used to say that I wasn't the same person. So making that big step. And then everything else was kind of, it was easy decisions because the hardest one was the first one. Yes. Well, like anything like the first step is the hardest, right? Mm. So after mm. the, after the uh, you were losing your accent, what happened then? Because I interrupted you. So what happened then? <laughs> then I, um, I decided to go and live um, in Spain. I had never studied Spanish. Um, I never really had any interest in Spanish. Um, but I wanted to do a volunteering, um, a volunteering placement in, in South America. I don't know why I kind of picked kind of like uh, on the map and I said, well, I want to go South America. I didn't even know why it was nothing. I don't know. It was not something that was planned. Um, and so to be able to do the placement that, um, I tried a few of the volunteering places in the UK and in France, and I got a few offers to go to different places. Um, and I was about to go to Peru, but yeah, I needed to improve my Spanish. So I decided, no, I was about to go to, to Bolivia and I needed to improve my Spanish. So I, so I'll go for the summer. It was summer 20, 2008. So I'll go to Spain, have enjoyed the summer because I've been in London for so long that I was very keen to go and to go on the, on the coast um, of Spain. Um, went to Spain, learned Spanish in the streets. Um, the first month I took classes, but then I was at, on my own and, uh, and I was because as well, one of the things that made it easier for me to go and do that big change as well in my life, because I was on my own, I wasn't in a relationship at the time. So it was kind of, I'd finished a long relationship and I decided, well, that's it. That's kind of another fork in my life. I'll just go and do something different. So, and by then I, so I moved to Spain. And that was so the first time that I moved to the country where I didn't know anything about the language. It was, everything was brand new. The culture is different as well from, kind of, I was used to the more Northern Europe, like Germany, UK, and even North of France. So it was very different. It's too much for me at the beginning, like people too close, too touchy, too feely. That is something that's like different um, that I wasn't that comfortable with, but I kind of got used to it. And it was in a mindset as well. I knew that I wanted to break from the busy life of London, that great jobs, but not like, not the um, quality of life that I wanted. And I was able to experience that in, in Spain. So it was kind of as well in my mindset, I was ready to experience something different. And that's what I found there. Um, and so I lived 18 months in Spain. But the first week that I got there, I met my current husband. In Spain, he was living also in Spain, and we met at the very beginning that I got to, to to Spain. And eighteen months later, he moved back to Argentina, and I kind of jumped 
on the plane with him saying, well, I don't, I've never been to Argentina, never been to South America. I'm got, you know, I can go. And it was a crisis in, in Spain. It was, it was hard to find a job. Um, at the time, all my jobs were still in marketing, but as an employee, um, I needed to find a company or always sorting out visa or not in Europe, there's no visa, but they kind of uh, legal paper to, to work and all those kinds of things. At the time, it never occurred to me that I would, I could start my own business. I was still in the mentality of, you know, I need to find a job locally. Yeah. So I need to improve the, the you know, speak the, the language in a better way, find, make connections as well with people to be able to find jobs and that kind of thing. So it was hard work. It and when you, work. so when you got on that plane then, did you think that you would end up marrying your husband and living in Argentina? No, 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 not at all. I was thinking, well, I'll go and try. And because I always, always feel like if whatever I try, it doesn't work, it doesn't matter. I can always do something. You know, I never feel like I'm trapped into a situation. Um, and it's something, yeah, from a, but that's the kind of part of my, the way I think things and the way I think kind of, I love exploring ideas and exploring other things to do. So I was thinking, well, I got, even he wasn't even really, it's not like he wasn't keen for me to go with him, but he was he didn't know what he would find, what we would find in that country because he hadn't been in his country for 10 years. So we kind of first moved, but it was for both of us, it was kind of a new experience. Um, but I was kind of prepared. I was thinking, oh, I have, but then I have my own laptop and I was like, well, I'll find something to do online. It was already something in there. I don't know what I could do online, but I brought my laptop with me thinking, well, I don't know, it was 2010. Um, you know, things online were already happening. So I'll find something to do. And within maybe three months of here, so I found a job very quickly as an employee in a company. Um, but within three months, I started blogging. I created my first website like a blog like a tourism blog like a, yeah something about the city where i was living i didn't know what i was going to do with that i had no clue but i said well I'll do something online i like taking pictures i like things you know writing about what i do so also well i share something around that and yeah i just think that that like i guess if i compare it to myself i'm so late to the to the kind of table in terms of understanding about setting up your own business. Just, it didn't, the, the idea didn't come to me till about like two, three years ago. And I think it's amazing that, that kind of thought that, you know, I've got a laptop, I'll find, I can find something, some way to use my skills, my talents, my experience, my expertise. I just think it's fantastic. So how did you start off then? Like after you say, so you, you know, you got employment and I presume you kind of needed that for a visa and stuff like that. But then how, yeah. how did you then start to kind of step into, you know, the business that you have now? Mm. So from the first blog, um, which is called Rosario Connection, which I still have, um, I don't really update it anymore, but it's kind of, I don't want to lose it because it's kind of testimonial of how I started. And from that, I created a second one, which was with, um, sorry, I registered it with my name because I was saying, well, I thought at the time that I still didn't know what I wanted to do as kind of to be an, I didn't want it to be an entrepreneur to, still at the time. 
But the mentality here in this country, in Argentina, because there's so many um, financial and political crises, like every 10 years, they're going to go up and down. People have a mentality of reinventing themselves. So they're lawyers, they become, they, you know, open restaurants, they are architects and they do photography, you know, they, they have one first job and then they jump into something very different. And that kind of, I got in, I don't know, it's kind of not inspired, but it kind of helped me to broaden my, my kind of horizon as well of kind of what could I do um, professionally. So I had the job um, at the time. I started as full-time, then fairly quickly I asked to be part-time because I wanted to have time to work on my own project. So the, the main, pro- the first project, that I start- the second project that I started then was a blog with my name. And I knew I would talk about marketing and I still have the first post that says, I'm going to talk about marketing. I don't know exactly what I'm going to talk in the next articles, but this is all going to be about marketing communication, because that's what at the time I had already 10 years experience in that. So, you know, that's the thing. And I I really enjoyed it. I love learning about all the new things around marketing. So it was for me kind of the, something that I would follow. Um, And it took me a little while to decide what I was going to talk about and the angle. So really I've focused at the beginning on talking to other women in similar situation that I was um, living abroad. They left their country, they left their job, and they have that professional experience, but they don't know how to use it in a different context or different um, environment. And it's really, it was about, I was also, um, I had interviews, I still have interviews, like written interviews of women who's done that. So to share, I wanted to show to people that it is possible. It's not because, you know, as a family, you move to Indonesia that you can't, you know, then because you had a profession, you can't use that online, become a consultant, become, mm. or even go into something like very different, a hobby that you want to work on, or even as a travel blogger or family blogger or that kind of thing. So I knew blogging wasn't something that really I was really interested in. Um, I purchased quite a few courses at the time as well on blogging and understanding marketing. And I kind of went with it saying, well, I'll see where it leads. Um, and I got few, I got my first few kind of payments and dollars um, at the time when I started um, kind of marketing affiliation marketing. So where people buy something from a recommendation that I had made yeah. on my blog. And um I think the first kind of consultancy client that I had, maybe maybe a year or maybe two years later. So it was a little while later. But when I first got people contacting me and asking, yeah, I want to do that. Can you help me? You know, how much would you charge for that? That's when I realized actually there is something there that could be more than just the blog at the moment. So that's when I kind of focused. But I still stayed seven years working alongside with my job and the blog. So I did seven years of that. And at the end of seven years, I had two children by then. So I decided, well, actually, I need to focus on my time differently. I need to yeah. to be able to control the time, my times, um, because of school, because of teacher's strikes or because of the illness of the children, because of so many different things. And being in an office, even part-time, was not... Um, feasible for me to be able yeah. to have that liberty to go and pick up the kids if I need to 
or even even work on my own projects because I was still going to want to do my own stuff. So it got to the point where I was like, well, actually, I need to make a decision. And because I already had the blog and some clients, um, and I felt kind of, well, I'll go and, and try. And I yeah. can always, always go, it's like I can always find a job, another job if I, you know, if it doesn't work out and it's not, it's still, I'm still passionate about what I do. It's not like I reject what I do and I want to do something very different. No, it's the same kind of job that I do instead of being in an office, working with just one client, one boss, I have different clients and I do different kind of projects. So, but still around the same topics. And it's really interesting because my next question was going to be, how does um, working for yourself and then, you know, being your own boss, being an entrepreneur, however you want to describe it, how does that kind of fit in um, that, I guess, that work lifestyle? How does that fit in or complement your family lifestyle and how you, you know, you are with two young children? Yeah, that that was, um, I wouldn't say that, that's the reason why I went online and started because some people say, well, I went, I, you know, started my business because of my children. No, it was more that I already had the idea. It's already something that I was doing, but I realized that I was able to do that. I was to be able more time with my children or to, or to pick, to choose the projects that whether it was long-term or shorter term, depending on the plans that I had coming up. Um, and to be, it's something to do with control and to be able to control that yeah. and to decide to be in charge of my workload. Um, and it took me a little while, like a few years to still say no to some of the projects, but now it's something that I can say no to some projects because either because too time consuming or not worth it, or because I have something else coming up later on and I don't want to be too busy while I know I need to be with my family especially in Argentina, the summer break, we're on the summer break moment and it's three months. So I don't, for instance, at the moment, I know I don't want um, like projects that are really intensive just now in, in, in January because that's kind of the time where I need to have some time off. But the rest of the year, so the projects that I work on and usually are kind of shorter term so I can manage that um, and spend more time yeah, with my family or even on, on my own projects as well, like my own yeah. go-to-yoga and, and that kind of stuff. It's such a great point that you make, and, and thanks for sharing that around how it, it took you a few years to kind of to say no to things, because I think when you start out on your own, you instinctively feel like you can't say no to anything because you don't know if something else is going to come along, but then you can end up as a kind of slave to your own business. You just become an employee, except you're employing yourself because then you're not you know, the reasons that you wanted to go out on your own, whatever they are, you suddenly lose sight of them because, I don't know, it's a bit of a siege mentality around, like, money coming in. Mm. And uh, it's interesting because I think for me, like, this is the last thing that I'm doing and then I'm signing off to the new year. And last Christmas I was, like, launching stuff and really full on and and actually I was exhausted by the new year. You know, by the time Mm. we got to the first week of January, I was absolutely exhausted and I thought, I don't want to do that. Why am I doing that? Actually, I want to be around and hanging out with my kids and watching Christmas films and baking and shopping and just chilling out. And I don't want to be like worrying about all of that stuff. Hmm. But I think it takes takes time and confidence to to get to that point. 
Yeah. And you have to go through it once to realize what you want and what you don't want. Yeah, yeah definitely. And I'm glad, I'm glad that I did it because I, I've been to, at points, I was working until two in the morning at night, or even when I had my daughters, I was sometimes there were babies and I was be with them or until they go to sleep late at night. And I would work until like, like in the early morning I would do. And I know that those things, I don't want to do those anymore, but I had to go through that as well to, because yeah, I needed some project. I need more experience or the money or, you know, at the time, but it's kind of with experience. It's not, well, like it's good. I can choose um, what I want to do. Yeah, definitely. So as a as an email marketing strategist and mentor then Sabine what what do you get from it like what do you get from working with your clients one of the things that I've noticed that all the people while I was in employment all the people that I worked with and I got along very well was people were people who were very passionate about what they do and I realized you know that's now kind of my one of my tagline tagline is I'm a passionate marketer for passionate entrepreneurs because I really, I realized that I only wanted to work with people that were passionate about what they do. Because it kind of so, for me as a marketer, I need to understand what they do and what they sell to help them sell their services in a better way or to optimize their kind of activity, their marketing activities and tasks. And to be able to, if I need to feel the enthusiasm that they have, I need to feel that they are passionate about what they do so that I can help them. And, and I kind of, I don't know, it's just kind of, I, I feed on their energy. I, yes. I need, it's, um, and, and I love doing that to be able to see the results of what um, is kind of, it's a lot around communication and um, finding, helping them finding, uh, I don't know, like the words, the, the messaging, uh, that that will connect with their clients. Um, I, I love like tweaking words. I, I've, like in my early years, I didn't didn't realize I didn't think that I could write. Um, that I was you know good at writing, and I only realized that. And it's also over time to um, more practice and doing it more and for different clients and for different kind of industries. I love helping my clients find the right words for what they need to express. Um, I also studied NLP to, to, to improve on my own skills, but to help others as well, like be able to connect with their, with their audience. And so, yeah, email marketing is, is around communication. Then there's the technical part, which I'm, I love say I'm kind of a techie around, um, CRM, like databases and understanding automation and how to kind of automate messaging and emails. But there is kind of the NLP part, the kind of the communication or the finding the right words and messaging for my clients. So I'm mixing the two with doing the helping them doing the email marketing and and getting more clients and just being in kind of I always say marketing is about relationships and building relationships with your clients, potential clients or even audience. It doesn't have to be I work with an author and with an author. Um, and for her, it's not about getting clients, but it's about building a relationship with her audience and email marketing is like a tool is one of those tools that we have in marketing to be able to to build that relationship Mm. 
And it's interesting because I think just with how you've helped me, obviously, when we do our calls, we, you know, we talk a bit of marketing, a bit of coaching. And and I think there was something that you helped me with the other week. I think it was about how you apply, you know, there's lots of ways that you can look at how you kind of plan content and, and, you know, your strategy. But I, I could never really connect like if I decided to write a plan, like it sounds silly, but I could never really connect it with then what I did. Like I would write a plan, but not follow it. And what was really interesting is the way that you helped me. I, I can't remember what it was in particular, but there was something that you said. And I was like, oh, that is so obvious. And I had, you know, talked to lots of people and read lots of stuff and downloaded lots of freebies about that. And I just couldn't get it, couldn't get it. And then mm. whatever it was that you said to me, it was like this light bulb moment where I went, oh yeah, now I get it. So now when I do that thing, I can go, oh, I actually understand what I'm doing rather than kind of stabbing in the dark, just hoping that I'm making sense or that I'm, you know, communicating the right message or I'm, you know, I'm, you know, having having the right impact, whatever it is. So I think there's a way, you know, the way that you have, it's a lovely way of kind of breaking stuff down and making it easy for somebody who isn't a marketing, you know, expert to understand. Yeah, thank you. It's definitely, and for me, I because of experience as well. I see it as kind of a, it is a simple thing if you, if you, I don't know, if you, yeah, if you work on that, on that, it's not something that is hard to, to implement. Um, and that's kind of one of the messages as well. I want to say that email marketing or even com- like doing marketing doesn't have to be a complicating, complicated mm. thing. There are the tools are getting sometimes complicated and it's kind of complex because of the tools that we use and the connections between the things, but the messaging and getting the message out should be kind of like, it comes, I would say it comes from the heart. It should be something natural from the person. And that's why working, you know, if you're passionate about what you do, it's so much easier. Yeah. And you yeah. be able to express but it's that famous old saying, isn't it? It's easy when you know how. So if you, if you know, like, and I think one of the reasons people don't start things or they're scared because they don't know how to do it. And, and the reality is that everything in life, if you've never done it before, you don't know how to do it. So you need to find somebody who knows how to do it and can explain it to you in a way that you understand, um, which, you know, enables you to kind of move on and, you know, use that thing. And I think, you know, that's what's so key if you're going to start out on your own business or, you know, there will be so much that you don't know, but that's okay. Hmm. If you knew everything, it would be boring, right? You've got to, you've got to have, be on a learning <laughs> curve and, and find out how to do things. And so, people, um, you have to, okay. go on. No, okay. it's about taking people on a journey. If yep. you are honest about saying that you may not know everything or you, you know, showing your vulnerability around that as well, saying you're learning, you know, you're the leading learner. I have a, uh, one of my contacts, she she wrote a book about she's the leading learner. So she's le- learning alongside with her community and she's just the leading learner. So just oh, one like step that. ahead, but one step ahead, it's not like she's the leader. No, she's learning as well, alongside everyone else. And Yeah, that's brilliant. What would you say is your biggest challenge then, Sabine, about running your own business? Um, predict- predictability to be able to know exactly what's going to happen. It's not something that I seek. It's not like I was, I want to be 100% sure. I'm not like a planner. I don't have, you know, months in advance planned. So there is that that is sometimes feels like it would be nice to have a bit more to be able to predict, you know, when I'm going to get clients or, or 
when um yeah when i start with a project with a client i don't always necessarily know if it's going to be long term when it's going to stop so it's going to it really depends on the advance of the person so i'm doing a lot of mentoring at the moment and mentoring is really going along alongside them and guiding them while they're doing um while they're learning and doing the kind of marketing and so it depends on how fast and or how slow that they go so sometimes it's not to be able to know um yeah kind of far in advance um how much i'm gonna earn or or that kind of thing so that's kind of something which i'm fine with it because kind of i knew what i would get in, into when i started so it's something that um i would say is yeah probably the, the thing that um um I, it's not that bothers but it's something yet yeah, that is kind of, that could be different um, yes and for me yeah it's um but i'm happy as well it serves me well because i'm happy to have breaks like now this this summer this summer here so january february i'm probably going to have two months the whole break not the whole two months mm. of a break so um it was a case of working a bit more before to be able to do those breaks um and later on and even take some projects and say you know give boundaries and say well i can only start at the end of february and i won't be able to start before that mm. if anything come up so it's kind of yeah putting things in place um to prevent so that it's I kind of can still have some sort of, kind of planification around um, my workload and and the kind of clients or the clients that I want to work with. It's so interesting, isn't it? When you said you're not a planner, I was having a little chuckle because uh, I know when we talk and I'm always saying, so what are you planning to do? And you're like, yeah, I don't like planning. And I love planning. So uh, <laughs> we, I think we're good. We're um we're like yin and yang, yin and yang. We're, we complement each other in terms of uh, one of us uh, likes it more than the other. It's funny because I really like working with people that love planning because I'm good at feeding ideas into their plan. So I I work better with people who who like structures and planning and doing that. So kind of, yeah, and as, as, as you said, it's yin and yang and complementing um, and now that I think of it, a lot of the people I've worked with, yeah, were tend to be kind of very organized people. And I can be very organized if I want. No, I am organized, but it's more kind of not needing to, you know, yes. I love the kind of flow and, um, yeah, I love the flow and to be able to take decisions, like instant decisions. Well, I do that or I, I don't know, it's just things that I, I enjoy. Brilliant. So, Sabine, if somebody was listening to this, you know, one of my listeners and they thought, well, I'd like to uh, find out a bit more about Sabine or I've got a business and I really need her help with simplifying uh, email marketing. Where where would they find you? So my main website is sabinefep, S-A-B-I-N-E-F-E-P.com, sabinefep.com. And um, the platform where I'm probably most um, is on LinkedIn. Um, with the name Sabine Pano, P-A-N-N-E-A-U. Okay. So that's where you can find me. Fantastic. So I'll pop those links into the show notes. Um, Sabine, thank you so much for your time today. And uh, this feels like our regular Wednesday chat, which is recorded (laughs) for a change. So thank you so much for your time. And, uh, well, we're recording this before Christmas. So have a great Christmas. 
Thank you very much as well. It's a pleasure to, to share my story. And yes, have a lovely Christmas as well. Thank you. You have been listening to the Your Dream or Mind podcast with Laura Cruz. If you enjoyed it, could you do me a favour? Please leave a review, a five-star one would be perfect, and subscribe. This helps other listeners to find the podcast much more easily. Oh, and don't forget to come and find me on social media. The links are in the show notes. I would love to help you to transition into your own dream life. It's what I'm really good at. See you next time, my fellow dreamer.